Welcome to the True Masculine Project. My name is Eric. I'm your host and fellow student on the path of masculinity. On this show, we will discuss personal development and masculine principles so we can be the best men that we can be. If you are new to the show, welcome, and you may want to head on over to the intro episode. Uh, describes the format and a little bit more about what we want to cover here. And for the rest of us, on to the show. Yo, and welcome to the show. On today's episode, it is the third and final part of our review of the Like Switch, a former FBI spy catcher's sort of how to feel guide to influence. Uh, the first couple of episodes on this series, we covered friend signals, foe signals, baseline human behavior, and why people do not notice that you are quote unquote working a technique as long as you're not purposely awkward about it and drawing attention to it because it falls inside of the normal baseline of human behavior. It just feels weird to you because you have been acting outside of it with most likely poor results. We talked about the friendship formula, which as a reminder is proximity, frequency, duration, and intensity, and how you can basically tweak any relationship that you either want to continue ratchet up or discontinue ratchet down by making adjustments to any of the ingredients that go into that sweet, sweet friendship cake. We've also covered the golden rule of friendship, which next to the friendship formula may be the most important part of this book. Make people feel good about themselves and they will like you. Nope, this is not about you being interesting. You have to have a base level of sort of hygiene standards, etc. But people do not become interested in you by you going out there and putting on a show. They become interested and like you if you make them feel good about themselves. Remember, it's not about you. You give friendship, attention, value, like we've talked about before, appreciation to someone else, and they will return it to you through the human law of reciprocity. And with that, let's knock this bad boy out. Okay, so we pick back up on influential conversation tactics, and the largest one is do not frame it as right versus wrong or you versus them, especially if this is you trying to get a manager or someone in a position of power to realize that what they have been doing may or may not have been the best way to do it. Once you tell someone that they are wrong, they're going to go through all of this mental gymnastics in their head to make it make themselves feel like they are right. You cannot argue someone out of a position. It doesn't really work. You need to frame it as you two versus the situation, not as you versus them. I've made this mistake before and it has cost me. Once you end up on a manager sort of shit list, it's basically impossible to get off that fucking thing. Even if you are right, you can be right and without a job. You can be right and unhappy. You can be right and someone literally spends their entire day and it's even worse when it's someone in a position of power over you making your life miserable because you showed them up in some way. It is better to share as in make it seem like it was their idea, ask them advice about something, what they think about something versus, hey, why do we do this this way? This is wrong. I'm going to show you why I am right. Even if you can explain it to them in a way that they can see, if they can dismiss it, 
they will dismiss it, creating a you versus me, I'm right, you're wrong relationship when you are trying to get them to come to your point of view is never going to work. Have to remember, we are all people, and as people, we are emotional first and rational second. People have won Nobel Prizes demonstrating this in writing like it's just a fact of life that you need to accept so you have to understand that you are working with people's egos so if you can massage schmooze whatever fucking word you want to use here for making someone seem like they are taking part in the idea versus it being your idea and them looking dumb because they may have been doing something ineffectually for a long time is going to massively increase the odds that they become a champion for your idea because they're going to be able to take some if not all of the credit so yes this means you will have to share and this is quoted from the book the glory pie but what you gain in goodwill from this person is generally a longer lasting return on the investment than the short-term glory you would have gotten for this one particular project and you can apply this outside of the workplace although it's super powerful in the workplace because it's borderline impossible to displace a manager companies will fire whole fucking teams before they get rid of a bad manager but you can apply any of this into your personal lives whether it's basic decisions about where to go eat for dinner versus involving your significant other on discussions on larger things like moving versus you coming to them like I think we should move to this place because xyz even if it's better for you now caveat I would say that as a man the number one thing in your life is to the mission of your life whatever you have chosen that thing to be and if you allow yourself to come off the path and change your direction not because you have come to realize that you want to do something else or maybe that wasn't a good idea, but because you want to make someone happy. And then if it doesn't work out, you blame them for you not going with whatever you want to go with. That's on you, not on them. I'm not saying don't change your mind. I am saying that if you do make a decision, it needs to be because it is in your best interest, not because of your feelings, right? Now, obviously, once you have kids and stuff, this becomes a little bit deeper of a conversation, but it remains the same. You shouldn't have had kids with someone who wasn't on that same sort of path with you in the first place. So you're not that far down the road. Anyway, to include someone in the decision-making process is to vastly increase the odds that they are supportive of whatever the situation is. Okay, so active listening or really paying attention to someone versus just waiting for your turn to say what is in your head. Now, this is sort of a skill that requires practice because the majority of us are really just holding a response to one particular part of a conversation, something that you heard and want to rebut, instead of really taking the time to listen and focus on the person in front of us. And we miss these cues, these chances to connect, these chances to course correct because you are so caught up with what you want to say. Yes, this means sometimes you will have to take a pause between when they stop talking, and we'll come back to that, and to 
when you pick up talking and this is totally fine you've listened to them and it's now their turn to listen to you you don't need to jump in right when someone stops fucking talking because you are afraid of a pause in a conversation this silence is only awkward if you let it be the person who is more comfortable sitting in silence tends to be the person in control of the conversation the person who's doing all the talking is actually not in control of the conversation they are trying to fill space you tend to start qualifying yourself in weird ways like i'm trying to explain to you why i'm a person worthy of sitting here self-qualifying is something you do not want to do um, it's a it's a need behavior you deserve to be there because you deserve to be there and whether they can see it or not is irrelevant but when you start explaining to someone in words about how cool you are uh, you are instantly uncool for instance you know rich people don't talk about how much money they have they just have a bunch of money unless we're in a investment financial type conversation not look at all this cool shit that i have if you can have it that's fine there's just a difference between needing it as a personality trait and legitimately liking nice things anyway i digress so you want to actually be listening to what the person is saying and then you've got the active listening skills that we've talked about before slow head nods the usual oh mm, like a vocalization on certain parts of a topic that let people know that you found that part interesting if you want someone to expand you can either wait for them to finish or if there's a pause in the conversation you can say hey so when you said this what did you mean by that it shows that you were actually paying attention now we've talked about this before but emotional bids whenever someone gives you more than a basic thing that they did not need to share you need to acknowledge and respond in kind especially if it is something that you think they might want to be appreciated for which is probably why they brought it up a qualifying behavior that people do if you notice this you're going to be one of the rare people that have actually complimented them or brought up something in a conversation that they feel like they would like to be recognized about there's a few stories in the book about this um, if you want to hear more of the practical examples i suggest you get it in some shape or form this is a really good influence book right up there with influence by robert cialdini one of the og books on this topic so he then rolls into a topic he calls word minds and this is something we may have all thought about where you were recognizing a conversation before but i've never placed a word to it so people put different emotions and definitions behind words which is why it's important to define terms especially if someone seems off-put uh, about something that you said or you think that maybe what you meant to say was not translated uh, emotionally the way you liked it to have been received in someone's head now in order to really notice that someone may have taken something the wrong way you need to be able to see them this is why body language can be helpful to you to notice if you're making any mistakes social calibration uh, once you get a decent baseline for interacting with a person so people will do a couple of things whenever you have said something that they may find offensive whether you meant it to be that way or not and this is if this is a true value of yours you don't need to walk back on this but if you just said something and someone took it as something else there's no reason to 
let animosity in a relationship fester unless you want the beef, which by all means, let the motherfucking beef cook. But lip purses, uh, when people push their lips down, they'll have brief eyebrow flashes or their eyes will widen a bit, maybe combined with the head tilt right like some form of confusion. At this point, it is better to stop talking, cut the thought off, mid-sentence because at this point they are in they are starting this emotional roller coaster of this dude said this and what does he mean by that and how dare you use that word somebody called me that when i was five and it means all this stuff to me that you may have just walked into something um, that you didn't mean to it is better to stop and call it out like hey um, it seems like i might have said something that may have offended you or that you disagree with would you like to elaborate on that this is going to show emotional intelligence and a bit of empathy which is going to go a long way now if you said it and they accepted it the way that you meant it and this is a strong value of yours then you may have just found an incapability breaking point with someone and that is fine but if this is some minor thing or a working relationship that you want to go well one i would suggest you avoid anything super polarizing pretty much everybody knows what those topics are but two, if you said something and it came across wrong, just fix it. It's not about being right. It's about being influential. It's about being effective, as long as this is not going against a core belief. Now, this also has the added benefit of if you were trying to get someone to come over to your side, your way of thinking, if they vocalize a disagreement with something you have said, it is going to be much harder to get them to come over Versus if you catch them thinking about something, you course correct and they didn't have the chance to build up this large emotional wave to spill it on you once you stopped talking. The cognitive dissonance, right? The need to be consistent, congruent, is going to be too large, too much to bear for them once they've started saying all the reasons that you're a wrong asshole and they're right and no one should ever deal with you, right? If you cut that off before it even starts you have a much better chance of smoothing the relationship over and getting what you want out of this interaction versus once they start spilling this stuff without it being prompted from you and now a brief word for one of our sponsors audible hey so we have all heard that knowledge is power so if knowledge is power access and the ability to digest that knowledge is a superpower uh, however, not all of us have time to sit and read at the end of the day in our busy lives full of hustle and bustle. We are always on the move and in the middle of working long hours, trying to get things done, working on side projects, or frankly, just taking care of yourself and your family. You may not have time to sit down and read. And that's why I love Audible. Audible allows you to take advantage of those transition moments like the gym, like your drive to work, like cooking, to install new knowledge that you did not have before to help take you from where you are now to where you want to be. There are thousands of titles available on Audible, including bestsellers like Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is Away, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, and others. Start your 30-day trial today and your first book is free. Go to audibletrial.com slash podcast to get started. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-L dot com slash true, T-R-U-E, 
MP podcast. And now, back to the show. Okay, on to vocal tonality. And it is lovely seeing this written somewhere else, but fellas, you need to speak from the diaphragm and not from the throat. As a man who spent most of his formative years with a woman, I don't even think I learned how or found the difference where you could consciously tell when you were speaking with your chest versus speaking with your throat until I was like 27. Hell, it might have been 30. No, it's probably 29. In any case, that's not important. The point is, if you are speaking and you grab your nose and your vocal tone changes, you have been speaking with your throat and not with your chest. Now, whether you are trying or not to seek rapport and not in a I'm a cool person, I think you're a cool person, but in a please like me way, that's what speaking the entire time in, from the throat comes across as. It's not deep enough. It's not commanding enough. And this is regardless of what your voice actually sounds like. The way it interacts, the way it hits another person, it's hard to explain unless you've experienced somebody who speaks with authority from the chest often versus someone who speaks from the throat often. It is rapport-seeking. Rapport-seeking on its very nature is needy, please-like-me behavior. Please-like-me behavior places you below someone. And this is all subconscious, right? People don't think about this. Basically, if you are trying for a rapport with someone, especially someone who has not earned it, that you do not know, it signals that you are used to being on the bottom and having to placate the needs of others. Now, obviously, uh, inflections and change in tone are important just so you don't end up sounding like Bueller, Bueller the entire time. It, it keeps people's interest. But to do it the entire time where you're always talking like this or really fast because you're worried about being interrupted you need to slow it down and just sometimes it takes a little practice to notice what it sounds like and then to get to use it all the time it's like a muscle especially if you've never used it before but just as a heads up if you go to practice talk in a mirror record yourself whatever if you hold your nose and go to speak and your vocal tone changes you've still not gotten it right also, watch the inflections on the end of the sentences. If you're valley girling it, like everything sounds like, it's a question on the end, that's going to cause problems too. A couple more influential tactics, uh, status elevation, compliments or comparison. If someone is good or wants to be recognized for, that, for a thing, comparing them to someone who is nationally known for that thing has a way of bringing out a sense of camaraderie, eliciting more conversation, about that particular thing just make sure that these are genuine compliments that you really mean them because otherwise people are going to notice and that's going to lower uh, your ability to influence someone in a conversation and alternate choice uh, people do this with their children good salespeople will do this to get you to answer a question so if you are trying to narrow someone down to a decision you give them this or that, like, do you want peas or carrots? Do you want McDonald's or Burger King? Obviously, the two options need to be something that you are okay with, but it makes the person on the receiving end feel like they have made the choice, not that you guided them down a road to a choice that either one was going to be fine with you. Now, this only works if you have someone in a situation where an either-or answer will get you to what you want, but... When someone feels like they have agency, they're more likely to go along with the decision. 
Now, elicitation techniques instead of just straight up asking a question. These are more for negotiation tactics, uh, less of a friendship building type thing, but they are really interesting nonetheless. Because remember, if you start asking just straight up obvious questions, it's going to start to come across as an interrogation and no one likes to be interrogated, especially if this is early on in a relationship or a conversation because you have not earned the right and question trains are boring. You run out of things to say because you keep asking questions. You're not sharing anything about yourself. That whole entire thing is just a bad road to go down. I spoke on this before on the how to talk to anyone section. So using these elicitation techniques are better because you will keep them as the focus of attention. Remember, everyone's favorite conversation topic is themselves. And the better they feel about themselves and can attribute that to you, the more that they will like you. So the human need to be correct or correct others is why these presumptive statements work. You can get people to confirm something as correct or not, and they will tend to add information on top if what you have presumed about them or a situation is correct. And if you are wrong, they will correct you. Mm, it's like the Wikipedia thing. If you want to find the answer the fastest on the internet, just post the wrong answer and watch how fast some motherfucker shows up to correct you. People love to do it. He uses a uh, situation where he gets a jeweler to reveal how much of the markup that they have on a give based on using these techniques. So here are a couple of examples so you can hear what this sounds like in person and you could modify these to whenever this is applicable to your situation. Okay, so the wrong way to phrase it. And again, this is in a jewelry buying scenario, so we're gonna keep the examples to that. Hey, how much is the markup on this item? Obviously, if you come straight out and ask that, they are not going to give you that information because that is for them to know why would they tell you how much they bake into the goods. Now, the way he phrases it in the story that gives the jeweler's assistant who willing to give up the information is, whew, the markup must be at least 150%. To which the clerk responds, no, it's only 50%. He just gave you what the markup on the item was and he doesn't feel bad. You didn't ask a outright question because people feel the need to correct you when you are wrong. They will just spit out whatever the fucking right answer is without thinking that what you are looking for was the markup of the goods. You have to be able to phrase the statement to get the answer to the question that you were looking for without it starting as the usual who, why, what, where, when, the question statements. Another example from the story here, and then your 10% commission. Once again, trying to figure out how much wiggle room is in the item without coming right out and saying it. Because if you are correct, people tend to confirm. And if you are wrong, people will correct you. So the clerk in this story responds with, not that much, I only get 5%. So now you've basically figured out where their cost is on this item. And this could be done with anything and any type of information you were trying to get. It just needs to not come across directly as a question, but as a presumptive statement. Now you can crank these up a notch by combining them with empathic statements, which you talked about before. If you're trying to get someone to 
understand that you know how they feel, or even if you're presuming that you know how they feel, do not say, I know how you feel, or I know what you mean. Because unless you have a literal direct example of that, you do not know how they feel because you are not them. It is easier and frankly much more effective to start off with an impactive statement and remember those start with, so you. So as an example, if you saw someone deal with a annoying, uh, aggressive customer, or if they look like they've been doing a lot of running around all day, don't say, God, I know what that feels like to be so tired, or I know what that feels like to have to work like that. No one wants, to, they don't care about you, right? It needs to be about them, and you don't know how they feel because you are not them. An easy example is, so you must be a saint dealing with people like that all day. Presumptive statement that every single person that they've come in contact with is an ass, which they are probably going to correct you as, no, that's not true. But you have also taken a second to acknowledge their emotional situation uh, based on things that you saw, that they are a real person and not just some background character, which is going to increase their willingness to give you something that you may want because they will like you more for noticing. You have provided value on its most basic level. Remember, value is attention, acknowledgement, and appreciation. And when people like you, you've made them feel better. They want to reciprocate, law of reciprocation, back to you. Uh, this is why you do not take the free sample because you're going to feel guilty to buying something. Do not take the quote-unquote free gift because you're going to feel obligated to make a donation in return. And, you know, while doing any of this, while talking to anyone, you can make sudden body gestures to test for rapport, see where you are in the interaction. Have you gone past the stranger stage and can start to build attraction if that's what you're looking for or general uh, friendship? So some of these are higher on the level of rapport than others. For example, if people start grooming each other that's a very close thing you don't usually pull lint or clean someone that you don't really give a fuck about conversely you will do that a lot to your sexual partner mirroring and leading is a easy one you change your body posture and if they follow after about 30 45 seconds or so then you can be fairly certain that they feel comfortable and rapport has been established you have gotten through the rocky introduction stage um, there's a few others a big one is barriers if people are uncomfortable they will put something in front of them as a barrier in some way whether that is holding a drink up which is why for love of god dudes if you are in a social situation put the drink down to the side you don't need to fucking hold it in front of you like it's a shield do not place barriers between you and the person you're trying to influence. Conversely, you want to remove any barriers between you and the person you are trying to get to know. Um, an easy example is that if you're on a first date, one, I don't suggest sitting across from people. I hate it. It's hard to break the touch barrier. And I don't know, it feels more like an interview. It's harder to come up with things to say, especially in an already high stress situation. But you want to move any sort of caddies, any sort of stuff in the middle between you and somebody else out of the way so that there are no physical barriers between you and the person that you are trying to influence. Torso repositioning, the more someone is in to a conversation, they will tend to turn towards you. And if you are standing up, this is an easy one to test because you should not have been face to face 
on them in the first place, you should have been off to the side. And eventually they will start to rotate their bodies the more interested they are in you. And last but not least, nurturing and sustaining long-term relationships. So once you've built a baseline of friendship, someone knows who you are, right? You're on the friend side of the friend-foe continuum. In order not to polarize back into sort of a neutral space, you want to display a level of care that is appropriate for the relationship and cares as an acronym that he breaks down. C stands for compassion, concern. A is active listening, which we've talked about. R is reinforcement that you should be careful with, whether positive or negative. And E is empathy. So we'll start with care. More than a passing comment, but interest in any sort of issues that a friend of yours may have. If people are sharing just a vent, don't try to solve their problems, right? If you feel the need or you think that they may be looking for solutions, right, to be a sounding board, ask them, just flat out say, hey, are you just looking for someone to listen or do you want my opinion on this? Also super important, if you learn through the course of your relationship with someone that XYZ statements bother them or these things are hurtful or they're sensitive about these, do not bring these back up later on in an argument as weapons to use against someone. If this is a friend, someone that you actually care about, you will never take any of the things that they share with you in confidence and use them against them. If you do, the relationship is basically done and it may not be done now, but the level of trust that they have with you is going to be diminished. They're going to feel like they need to be guarded because if they tell you something that could be used to hurt them later, it's probably going to come up. At that point, you're just dying a slow death. So on to reinforcement, there were some concepts here that I had never really heard anywhere else before. So the use of reward and punishment with partners, make sure you know what type of behaviors you tend to display. Don't just bring up negative things and expect people to do things right all the time. Definitely don't expect them to do things the way you would do them because they are not you. And if it's that important, just fucking do it yourself. Don't ask someone else to do it. The good needs to be commented on as well as the bad. You aren't at work, so people should, quote unquote, get rewarded for doing things they should be doing because you want to let the people in your life know that they are appreciated, that the things that they do are meaningful to you, that you actually see them. And don't assume people just know because they may not know. And even if you do know, it's nice to hear it. And with empathy, it was mostly about dealing with people when they are angry, but you need to let them vent, vent the whole thing. You don't need to defend yourself. Uh, remember, this isn't a relationship that you care to maintain. If some motherfucker is berating you and you don't give a fuck about them, then go ahead and let them have it. But if someone feels hurt and is now trying to express this, assuming that the conversation hasn't gone to some point where you are both no longer listening, in which case you need to take a break, then go ahead and let them get all of what they have to say out. It is only after they are in a different place and are not being emotionally hijacked by the amygdala, the fight or flight response, that they are even going to be able to hear what you have to say anyway. And if you interrupt them, it's going to be no different mentally than a physical attack and they're just going to defend themselves and not listen to what you have to say even if they are taking something in a way that you didn't intend it. Now, lastly, there's a semi-long section about not getting catfished, if I was to summarize it down online. 
feel like we should be a little bit better about this at now, people. But if you haven't seen her uh, in person, if people won't meet up with you, if they won't get on videos, right? If you can't tell, you should probably slow down any sort of emotional connection until you have met a person in real life. In fact, I would say, and sure they work sometimes, but you don't have a relationship with someone, especially if this is a woman, a romantic type thing that you have not met in person. You can point out a couple of examples where they do work. And for every example that does work, I have a Manti Teo example where it was a terrible life decision. If someone cannot meet up with you in person, then it is not enough, right? If it was important to them, they would make the effort to meet with you. All right. And with that, we have finished. This was an excellent book on influence. It's probably one of my top three uh, that I would recommend to people who are getting into this along with some other body language books. Next week, we will be back with Fire in the Belly, uh, one of the first books I read on masculinity, what it means to be a man. And it's been a while since I've revisited it. So this will be fun to see how I feel about it now that I've been walking down this path for a while. Uh, it was one of the early ones I got right up there with David Data's uh, The Way of the Superior Man. So we got that for next week. I love you guys. Be good to each other. And I'll see you. Thank you for hanging out with me on the True Masculine Project. Please like, rate, and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app. Uh, if you want to interact with the show, you can catch us on Instagram at true, T-R-U-E-M-P underscore podcast. See you next time.